Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. Hey, with spring just around the corner, that means RV season is just around the corner. So in a little bit, we'll chat with the folks from GoVan about RVing. Plus, we'll head to the live-free state of New Hampshire to see what they have to offer as a vacation destination. Maybe you'd like to RV there. Who knows? But to start things out, we're going to talk about sunburns. I think we've all been there to some degree, but there's nothing like a bad sunburn to ruin or at least put a damper on a holiday. So we're going to get some reminders on how to prevent that nasty sunburn and what to do if it happens. To help us, we're very pleased to welcome back Jason Komet. He is a pharmacist at Polaris Travel Clinic. Their website is polaristravelclinic.ca. Hi, Jason. Hi, Randy. We're talking about sunburns here, but let's start at about uh, tanning beds. Do tanning beds actually help? Like a lot of people uh, like to go in a tanning bed, get a, what, a, what do they call it, a, a base suntan kind base of thing. Tan, yeah. yeah, a base tan, thank you, uh, to prevent sunburns uh, before they go on vacation. So does, does that really help? Well, you know, the short answer is not really. Um, what I find, and, and I think what the data points to, is that if you do go and have a, a, a tan, you know, via a tanning bed, um, you know, you probably, it probably helps you not get burned a little bit the first day as opposed to uh, when you're in a situation where you come from Canada, for example, and, and you haven't seen the sun for a long time. It may provide a little bit of benefit, but here's the downside. Um, you know, it's not a substitute for sunscreen right like a lot of people think oh i'm going to go get a base tan and then i will i don't really have to use sunscreen i won't get burned and then i I can get myself a nice tan Uh, it doesn't really work that way there's there's no evidence to support that at all you're you know there's actually was a study uh that i uh i saw a while back and it was done with university students that were going on spring break Mm -hmm. and they actually did a scientific study on this where they 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 divided these these kids into two groups they were a group that went and got a base tan and a group that didn't get a base tan. And then they, uh, when they came back from spring break, they evaluated whether they, um, who was more likely to get a sunburn. And the ones with the base tan were actually got more burned than the ones who did. Obviously, the, the main thing is, yes, you need sunscreen. And people hear it all the time. We hear it all the time. But for some reason, you kind of just slough it off and go, oh, yeah, it's, it's sort of a, one of those things in the back of your mind. Because I do it, too. Oh, yeah, i got to put some sunscreen on. It's kind of a, an afterthought. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think, you know, uh, it should just really start to become part of your, your routine. One thing that I think is always a good idea, especially when you're going to some of these uh, warmer weather locations and you know you're going to be out in the sun, try to make it part of your routine before you even leave your room in the morning. You know, the best way of doing it really is to actually have the sunscreen on you for a period of time, you know, for, you know, 30 minutes before you're actually exposed to the sun. So, so sometimes I think if you just get into a habit of before you even leave your room to get going for the day, you just already put it on then, not so much, you know, bring it with you. And then when you start to go to the beach, you, when you get to the beach, put it, putting it on, uh, of course, you want to supplement it later, but I think that might be a good way to help you remember. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about SPF now, which is sun protection factor. Uh, what does the number mean? Like uh, You get as high as some uh, SPF 50. What's the difference between a 50 and, say, a 15? Well, the, sort of the, the concept behind the SPF is that that is how many more times 
you longer you can stay in the sun as opposed to if you weren't. So if you if you have an SPF 15, you're um, protected for 15 times as opposed to not having anything on, and a 50 is 50 times more. So the higher the number, the the stronger the percentage. Now we are typically looking these days. You know, I think when when we're looking at sunscreens, you know, 15 has all has been sort of a bare minimum. But I think realistically speaking, you know, we've been go, you know, we've been going more in the direction of, of 30 these days. And, and for little ones, you know, that's that's when we start thinking about the, the 45s and the 50s. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is to, you know, besides the SPF, also looking at the type of ingredients in it. One of the ones that we've really found um has really been on the rise lately are some products that actually contain zinc inside them. Now, the thing to remember about this is whenever I, I hear about zinc sunscreens, the first thing I think about is those guys with the, all the white stuff on their noses. <laughs> it's kind of, it's not really like that anymore with some of the modern manufacturing techniques. They've been able to figure out ways to put just enough zinc in the sunscreen to provide a good barrier, but not, and it's still spreadable and doesn't look, goofy like that mm-hmm. well and you mentioned children too i think that's really important that um you know you, you don't want to forget their their skin seems way more sensitive and even younger when you get into like toddlers and babies right well yeah the one thing to remember about that is that at the under six months of age you can't do sunscreens or bug sprays for that matter just the nature of uh, a baby skin you just should not be applying uh sunscreens or bug sprays so at that point if you have a really little one the best thing to do is just physical barriers like protecting them from the sun keeping them up you know mm-hmm. um, whether it's some kind of sunshade or, or whatever but that's what you're looking at doing there but yeah it's um, definitely you want to be, take extra care at those really young ages and you can get the uh, swimwear now that has the the sun what is it the spf factor in it yeah there, there's a lot of uh, great uv protective uh, um, clothing especially for um, you know going in the water and stuff like that like they're not you know if, especially if you're doing more activities and stuff. Like if you're looking for a, a fancy uh, bathing suit uh, to hang out in the beach, may, uh, that might not be your your best option. But if you're going to be spending the day surfing or you're going to be spending the day out in the water, you're doing activities, there's a lot of really good products now that um, will protect you from the sun, provide that physical barrier. What about treatment now? Let's uh, say that I forgot my sunscreen and now I've got a wicked burn. <laughs> what are some of the things you can do to alleviate the pain? Well, I guess really a couple things. You know, one thing you can do, uh, the most important thing probably is just hydrate. Your your skin is really dried out. So you just need to get have a good moisturizer, you know, a good, uh, you know, a good uh, lotion. You know, I, I kind of like some of these ones that are like a gel lotion with maybe some aloe vera in or something like that. But when at the end of the day, it, it, it doesn't matter too much, uh, the exact product, but you just need to hydrate the skin like crazy. And then the other thing is... If it's really bothering you, you know, you can take a oral pain reliever, like, you know, something like a Tylenol or an Advil or something like that. It's not necessarily a, 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 a bad thing. And if it's bothering you enough, I, I think it's probably worth considering. Mm-hmm. And then some people, you get a, a severe sunburn where you almost, you're getting blisters, right? Oh, yeah. Well, when, once you start getting to that point, you probably, you know, need to potentially look at medical treatment and that sort of thing. And uh, some great advice. Jason Komet, pharmacist with Polaris Travel Clinic, the website polaristravelclinic.ca. Don't forget the sunscreen, Jason, right? <laughs> you got it. Thanks for your tips. Thanks, Randy.
So with spring just around the corner, that means RV season is just around the corner. So I thought it might be fun to chat a bit about RVing, get some tips and a few destination ideas. So joining us now to do that is Julien Rosancote. He is the founder of GoVan. Their website is GoVan.com. Hi, Julian. Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me. Uh, how long have you been, have you been doing the uh, RVing? So uh, I, I guess you can only, you, you can talk about van life more than RVing in my in my case. But uh, I've been on the road for over five years now. So I live in a Sprinter. Uh, the one I have now is uh, 22 feet uh, long. Uh, I live in there with my uh, my newly fiancé, and but I started alone in a uh, uh, 1989 uh, GMC Vendor uh, that was. Uh, much much less fancy than the one I have now. So yeah, let's see. I've seen uh, the best, uh, best, and <laughs> the, the, the worst and the best uh, of this uh, lifestyle. <laughs> right. I, well, I guess you've probably seen it all. It must be quite a lifestyle, though. I mean, you can just kind of pick up and go wherever you want, can't you? That's actually the uh, the goal. Yes. Uh, um, we usually spend most of winter uh, down south, so usually in Southern California. We actually actually just got back for uh, uh, this um, this TV show, this TV series that uh, will be launching uh, this week, and also for a few uh, salon and trade show like the one we'll, I'll be attending in Toronto this weekend. So, uh, yes, uh, that's uh, that's the, the the main goal. That's what we do. Uh, follow the sun. So when it comes to RVing in general, how popular is it these days? Is it rising in popularity? Because I, I get, like, like you say, you can just pick up and go wherever you want, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it became really, really huge, I have to say. Uh, you know, just uh, hanging down in, in Southern California, you, you see van offers from all over the country. It's, uh, it's, it's really something that became more accessible. You know, with technologies now... Uh, I guess uh, a lot of people are able to bring their, their work with them, you know. So uh, some it's it, it's it's really it's really fun to see um, how people get uh, get creative, also, you know. So uh, we see a lot of uh, uh, photographers, uh, directors, uh, translators, uh, uh, all these uh, digital nomads, you know, this new uh, generation. I can uh, if I can call them this way. Um, but uh, we also meet uh, from time to time. Uh, we've met, for example, um, uh, a couple of nurses. You know, uh, they were uh, they were living in a van, but uh, they're, they're they're working in a private agency of uh, for, for, for nurses, and uh, um, they 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 change uh, cities or area every three months. But they still decided to do <laughs> wow. the van life. You know? So yeah, so not the type of work you would expect to be able to to be uh, to living the van life, but. Uh, I mean, they're doing it, so yeah, why not? Well, why not, right? Uh, it's not just for retirees anymore, and you mentioned technology uh, for sure. It certainly right. has changed the nature of RVing and the, and the different, mm-hmm. uh, even the vehicles themselves. Uh, like, it's amazing. It's it's You can be as luxurious as you want now, right? Some of those uh, motorhomes, you know, they're in the $300,000 range, and they are luxury <laughs> apartments on wheels. Yeah, well, mine is not that fancy, but... Uh, it is uh, it is still uh, more luxurious than the one I I started uh, with. But uh, yes, uh, we have a water heater, we have uh, the heating system, we have uh, um, uh, a lot of things. Yeah, that uh, um, one ten uh, inverters, so we can charge our uh, laptops and stuff. So uh, yeah, we we have the solar panels. So a lot of things that are really helpful 
because uh, one thing that we do um, with Godan is to uh, produce uh, branded content for uh, tourism boards mm-hmm. and uh, an adventure brand, uh, outdoor brand. So uh, that, that means a lot of equipment, right? So batteries to recharge and stuff like that. So this is really, really important for us to have a, a vehicle that allows us to uh, to to, to uh, be on the road and uh, be uh, reliable. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And also not, now these days, you're speaking of technology, uh, for mm-hmm. someone like myself who may not want to invest uh, fully into an RV, I can just sort of, not, not only can I rent one, but it's like the Airbnb uh, type of uh, model of RVing where I can contact someone like yourself with an RV and you can set it up and I just show up and camp for and do what I want for a couple of days and 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 take off and then leave it there for you right it's 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 yep. really easy to do now yeah you're absolutely right there's uh well first of all there's um much more uh rental companies now that are really good you know so basically wherever you want to go if you're traveling uh, Europe Australia or on, on on the west coast uh, it's uh, it's easy to to find a, a good company that would rent a nice van, uh, and uh, it's also possible to um, do this uh, Airbnb ish uh, thing for vans too. Um, we we collaborate with this uh, website called Outdoorsy. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be also at the um, uh, at the RV show in Toronto this weekend. So uh, it's uh, and, and they became a really really huge platform. Uh, so that's super uh, practical, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, we've had Outdoorsy on the show. So, yeah, it's a very interesting oh, cool. concept. Again, if you just want to try it out, see if it's for you before investing a whole lot into it. Let's talk about some of the destinations now. You mentioned uh, going down to California. I guess you can just go wherever the weather, uh, the nice weather, or any type of weather you want, right? Yeah, California, I guess, is uh, uh, a little bit tricky because there's so many people living in vans over there, right? Where, where else would you go? But uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's uh, it's also... Uh, let's say police can be a bit um, uh, can can arrest you if you're uh, or let's say trying to sleep by the beaches or stuff like that. Let's say that the locals don't don't really want to to see vans, even if it's a nice van to 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 camp in front of their uh, uh, super expensive property, right? So uh, I guess that's the most uh, difficult area, but it's pretty easy just to uh, go back, let's say uh, 30 minutes or even one hour inland and to uh, to enjoy the desert or any uh, mountains, that is, uh, it's uh, there's a lot to offer in California, and we love to spend our time. Uh, let's say in the in the day, we love to uh, to to spend our day uh, by those uh, by the beaches in the, in the free parking lot. So just for the night, it gets tricky. Um, so that's that's for California. Um, other than that, it's, I have to say it's pretty easy. Uh, I'm from Montreal, and uh, it's it's actually legal to sleep in your vehicle. Uh, in Montreal, so even in cities, uh, it's pretty easy. Uh, otherwise, uh, I love to, uh, you know, if, if, if we're talking about uh, um, Canadian destination, I love uh, I love uh, Nova Scotia for van life. That's that's amazing. Uh, exploring Quebec is actually is actually really really, really nice as well. Uh, Ontario has so much to offer too. Like if you go to to the Georgian Bay area, uh, all this. Uh, the, the water. I don't know if you have you if you if you ever been there, but it's uh, it's beautiful. The, the water looks like it's uh, it's the uh, uh, it's the, like um, the, the Caribbean. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's blue. It's it's, it's amazing. Uh, and um, I think one of the, obviously Alberta, all the all the western provinces are are really really fun. Also in in the band. 
So, uh, so much to explore, right? Well, for sure. And also there's the formal campsites, there's the national parks. Uh, one of the issues, I guess, with those is, is probably just getting a site if that's the route you want to go, right? Yeah, sometimes uh, uh, for uh, busy, for uh, in high season, it, it can get tricky. Also, sometimes a little bit expensive. So what we love to do is to do uh, is to mix both of uh, those uh, those options. Um, so, um, for example, we use those apps that uh, or or uh, where, where where the community provides a lot of information about where to where to camp. That it's free. Uh, well, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you'll end up in in a Walmart parking lot, but you know, sometimes <laughs> when you're going, uh, when you need to, to drive across the country pretty fast, it's uh, it's a good option. Uh, but uh, you also get uh, tons of uh, nice uh, uh, camp spots that are uh, secluded by in, in the desert or up in the mountain by by beaches that are that are free. So uh, there is, uh, yeah. If people want to. To check out on my site, uh, there's uh, plenty of information about those apps and uh, lots of details about uh, how to live the van life and uh, enjoy it uh, to the maximum. For sure. And that site is go-van.com. And Julian Rosin-Cote is the founder of GoVan. Uh, lots of info, uh, Julian. Uh, thanks for your insight and tips. Thank you, Randy. Well, if you're looking for someplace different in the U.S. to travel to and explore, how about the live-free state of New Hampshire? It's one state I've yet to visit, so we're going to see what they have to offer as a vacation destination. To tell us all about New Hampshire is Chris Nielsen. She is the communications manager with New Hampshire Travel and Tourism. Their website is visitnh.gov. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm excited to learn all about New Hampshire. I've never been... So let's start with the basics for someone that's geographically challenged like myself. <laughs> Where would you find New Hampshire on the map? <laughs> I know right. it's on the um, East Coast. Well, it is on the East Coast, and that's a great question. Um, we do want to certainly talk and start with the accessibility. So we are um, in New England. Uh, New Hampshire is one of the six New England states, and we are located really just about an hour north of Boston. We're about... Uh, probably from Concord, proper Concord to Quebec City. We're about six hours, Montreal about three and a half hours to our border or to get to our White Mountains. And uh, Toronto is about nine hours. And where you are is definitely a little bit further. (laughs) A little bit further. So I imagine you get a lot of Eastern Canadians. And now you want to expand uh, to us Westerners, right? We would love to. And now that there's, you know, lift service into Boston, um, it really makes it so accessible. Um, you know, we don't have international flights in our um, home state airport. But again, um, Boston, we use Boston as our hub for international flights. And we do market internationally, Canada obviously included. Um, so really, once you get into Boston, you know, it's a it's an easy trip up the highway where um, to our seacoast, it's about, you know, a little less than an hour. And if you head in a different direction to our border, again, a little bit less than an hour. So it's super easy to get there. Mm-hmm. Get well, here, I should say. <laughs> and I, I, judging by that, uh, I would imagine it's kind of a rent-a-car kind of an experience, right? It would be, yes. Um, and and the really one of the great things we like to say about New Hampshire is um, that it's accessible and um, we offer 
uh, variety within proximity. So yes, you'll have to, you know, hop in a rental car and head up, head up to our state. But once you get there and once you get here, it's, um, you can see so much in a variety within a short drive. I mean, we're talking like our state, uh, North to south is about a four-hour drive, and east to west is about two hours. But what you'll see in that um, in the terrain and in the landscape is such an amazing variety that it's it's hard to believe it's all it's very compact, but it's um, very manageable. Like for example, um, you could drive up to New Hampshire, head to uh, Mount Washington, which is um, for those not familiar, it's the tallest peak in the Northeast, and um, it's home to what. Uh, what known as the world's worst weather. It gets some really crazy weather up there. So you can be on the top of this peak uh, in, in New Hampshire and then drive about an hour and be, you know, eating a lobster roll on the seacoast. So you're really going to get an expanse of um, variety within within that driving distance. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like it. And just looking on your website, too, judging by the images, looks like New Hampshire is a place you can visit all year round. There's activities going on constantly, it sounds like. It is. I mean, we really are a four-season vacation destination. Uh, You know, typically our our most popular seasons are summer and fall, um, but winter is a great time to visit. Um, You know, up in our great north woods, there's um, just wide open, you know, areas for snowmobiling or um, skiing, cross-country skiing, downhill skiing. Um, we've got um, snowshoeing. Um, but, you know, if people don't want to be on the mountain, they can certainly, we have things off the mountain. We have a lot of, you know, again, sleigh rides, skating, lots of different ice hockey, um, mountain climbing, ice climbing. So, you know, winter is a great opportunity for folks to visit too. And, of course, spring when things are just, um, you know, coming alive again, it's a beautiful time to visit. Um, I'm thinking right now in my mind about it's, it's raining right now. So I'm uh, thinking about June and this beautiful time of year uh, to visit the state when there's lupins in, in bloom all over the White Mountains. It's absolutely beautiful. So, mm-hmm. but really um, lots of opportunities to visit here. So what are some of the popular activities? I would imagine <laughs> it runs the gamut, right? Whatever you want to do, you can do it. It really does. I mean, we are a hub for um, outdoor recreation for sure. We have, you know, again, as I was talking a little bit about the winter activities, but also um, in the summer is, a, a you know, a lot of hiking. Um, we have uh, about 1,300 lakes and ponds, so people are doing a lot of water recreation. Um, we do have a seacoast. People um, are often surprised to hear we have a seacoast. It is the smallest uh, seacoast in the U.S., but we like to say uh, big things come in small packages. So um, that's certainly an opportunity for folks to, you know, head to our seacoast. There's, um, you know, again, I mentioned um, snowmobile trails. There's ATV trails. Um, we also have uh, New Hampshire's a really popular place for camping during the summertime. Um, but we also have tax-free shopping, which is a big attraction for folks because, you know, you can come here and shop uh, tax-free. Nice. Um, we, it, yeah. So, yeah, I, I could go on and on as, I, as I'm as i trying to. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Time is always our enemy, right? And there's so much to talk about. Right. But I would imagine being not that far from Boston, there's a lot of history around New Hampshire and some historic sites that might be interesting. There is. I mean, in New Hampshire, um, we have one of the oldest mountain climbing trains in the in the U.S. for sure. Um, it's the Cog Railway. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but it's uh, been around. It just celebrated its 150th anniversary. So this railroad uh, actually climbs to the top of Mount Washington that I just mentioned, the highest peak in the Northeast. So it's really quite a unique experience. Um, we also have the Mount Washington Auto Road. Um, we have some grand historic hotels that, you know, 
uh, were built in the 17th and 18th centuries. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of um, history and culture here. We have a, lot, a big attraction um, for folks, uh, you know, pretty much year round, really, is our covered bridges. Um, there's a lot of history with those. Um, people can drive across the majority of them. We have about 55 still standing um, in our state. Uh, so, again, yes, lots of history, a lot of um, fun, funky museums. Um, you know, scenic drives are, are a wonderful thing for folks um, to experience as well because we have, you know, we have some bigger cities, but we also have a lot of um, um, country villages and charming main streets and back roads, and it's just nice to get off the beaten path and mm-hmm. you can find some amazing um, small villages and whatnot um, when you do that. Mm-hmm. And how long of an average day do uh, your visitors, uh, how, like, to, to cover it all, uh, can you do it in uh, three or four days to, and get a good feel of the state? You definitely could. Um, again, with one of the, with being so drivable and accessible and, and in a compact state, you could certainly experience um, a variety of things within a three or four day stay. We certainly invite people to stay longer if they'd like. We'd love to have them. <laughs> of but, course, um, right? <laughs> you know, again, so if you want to like a weekend getaway, we um, have a lot of people from southern New England who come up. Um, and they may just come for a weekend. But again, you can, um, because it's so accessible and so easy to get around, um, you can experience, you know, like, again, the Great North Woods, which is much more wilderness, or you could, you know, experience the White Mountains, which is probably one of the most popular areas that um, that people are attracted to. Um, those are right, uh, those are a couple of our tourism regions, and they're right you know, border each other. So again, you could experience those, head over to the seacoast, you know, and you could do each of these things, you know, in, uh, like I said, in a three or four day trip for mm-hmm. sure. Well, it's, it sounds to me like it's one of those trips where you stop and take your time and, uh, you know, pop into a, a restaurant here or there or a cafe and enjoy some uh, local cuisine and then uh, go up the road and, and stop there and do a little shopping, that type of experience, right? Absolutely. Um, and again, you know, certainly mixed in with it some of that outdoor recreation if you're if you're so inclined but if you know if you're more interested in you know doing some shopping um certainly that's available um as we you know you started to mention you know sort of culinary experiences we are uh our big city on the seacoast is called portsmouth and that's what we kind of consider our culinary capital of the state because there's so many individual um individual you know independently owned restaurants mm. and they're really doing some amazing things um on our seacoast in in those in those restaurants that, you know, a lot of the chefs, because they can, they can go down to the Harbor that day um, at the end of the day and figure out what they want to harvest and, and what, what their harvest that day they'll serve on the menu that night. So it's that fresh, it's very fresh seafood. Um, and it's just, uh, they're very creative. Um, so it's definitely becoming a much more culinary experience here as well. So uh, anything I've missed, any uh, events that are coming up for the spring or summer? Uh, well, of course. Uh, <laughs> thank you for asking. Um, we do have, you know, some some of the more um, signature events. We have something called um, Laconia Motorcycle Week, which happens in June, and, and um, people come from all over the world for that. Um, it's an opportunity for people to, you know, if you're uh, so inclined to ride your motorcycle, um, but you can ride around the state and, and see the state that way. Um, we also have coming up, as I started to mention earlier, um, the Lupin Festival in June, which is a beautiful time to visit. Um, because again, things are just starting to, you know, bloom and come into, you know, full bloom and it's really a beautiful time. New Hampshire has a very rich history of, uh, crafting. And, uh, in fact, uh, we have, uh, the League of New Hampshire Craftsman's Fair and it's the oldest, 
uh, fair in the U.S. Um, and it's a nine-day festival that happens at um, Mount Sunapee. And people can go and um, see the artists at work. It's, it's out on out in the open air and um, can see demos and really get a feel for the type of um, fine craft um, of people that are here in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Well, who knew New Hampshire was so much fun and had so much things to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> Visit nh.gov is the website for all the information to plan your trip to uh, New Hampshire. And Chris Nielsen is the communication manager with the New Hampshire Travel and Tourism uh, Board. Thank you so much, uh, Chris, for your time. Thank you, Randy. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.